0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News.
1: So the growth is staggering. The company is already very large. And this, I suppose, is what's uh, exciting prospective investors. You know, they they like uh, the appeal of a a fast-growing company that seems to have, you know, ticked a lot of boxes and seems to have outdone some of the other fast fashion
2: players. Sheehan, the fast fashion giant, is headed for an IPO in New York. But what will investors make of its made-in-China label? And will they care about the environmental risks from a company that sells throwaway garments for $5? Stay tuned to find out more on this week's Viewsroom. Welcome back to the Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donovan, coming to you from London. Shein, the fast fashion retailer, is preparing for a stock market listing in New York. Anita Ramaswamy is here to co-host this week's episode of The Views Room. We are delighted to be joined by two of the columnists that have been writing an awful lot about this company, Lisa Yuka, who is the Europe business editor for Breaking Views, and for his debut, Mandega, who is a columnist in Asia that has also been looking at this story an awful lot. So Anshman, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, it's a great pleasure to be here.
2: Thanks for having me here. So, Anita, what are your thoughts on Sheehan? Is it the craze in America that it is in, in London? I see many parcels being delivered to neighbours with uh, lots of polyester clothing. What's the, <laughs> what's the view over in the U.S.?
3: Yeah, it's absolutely huge here. It feels unavoidable, and I think their clothes are at such a cheap price point relative to so many other retailers that people people love Shein. They have the app. They're ordering, you know, ten or more items at once. It's it, it's really a huge craze here too.
2: So Anshuman, I mean, as 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 Anita and I were saying, we all have a, a lot of people have a vague idea of this company, but I just wondered if you might be able to tell our listeners. I mean, they they will have seen it, but how how did Shein start,
0: and why is it having such an impact on the fast fashion industry? Yes, Shein is is pretty interesting. It started about more than a decade ago by uh, Chris Xu, who Chinese media reports describe as being American-born. Frankly, uh, despite being a massive consumer brand, Shein has kept a pretty low profile. And as Anita said, Shein became famous by selling. 5 dollar tops 10 dollar sweaters on its app in international markets and all this is thanks to its huge supply chain of thousands of third party contractors in china from where it sources most of its supplies it's got nearly 10000 employees worldwide and sells to customers in more than 150 countries but not to china so i would i would say the affordability and the ease at which the items could be returned and the new number of designs it claims to churn out about 6000 new designs each day that's wow. a big last point for consumers
3: yeah, that's that's a lot of items. Um, Anshuan, you mentioned the founder being U.S. born and how they don't sell in China. So I'm curious to hear more about the identity issue that Xi'an is having. I mean, given that it was founded in China, it sources its goods from China, and it's trying to present itself really as a global company on the global stage. How is that effort going?
0: So it is a Chinese company founded. It is founded in China but the company doesn't want to talk about it as a made in china label its founder chris shu moved to singapore a few years ago and also moved the company's headquarters to this place just like other chinese firms such as tiktok have done this is to shake off the made in china brand but and its explosive growth has also helped sheen get the backing of some of the world's biggest investors like Secure, Secure Capital, General Atlantic, Mubadla. So it gives an aura of a global company. It's also setting up manufacturing hubs in Mexico, Brazil, and recently formed a tie-up with Reliance Industry, India's biggest business group. So it's trying to give this impression to consumers that it is a global company, and it is, but because it doesn't sup- doesn't supply to China, it is not. It doesn't call itself a Chinese company. Basically, that's 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 the that's a big uh, big thing with Sheen.
2: Okay, and and Lisa, I mean, we you and I. I mean, Lisa, you cover many different companies, but you and I often talk about luxury and fast fashion. I, I mean, the the valuation that is being talked about at this company is ninety billion dollars. Um, so if you think about H and M, it's about a twenty billion dollar company that has been around for decades. Um, how is how is she in commanding such evaluation? How is it being compared?
1: So obviously, I mean, they haven't yet published uh, uh, fully detailed figures, but, you know, from what they've said and also from some of the analysts, um, you know, estimates, I mean, we can uh, probably say that, you know, their, their sales were in the region of uh, uh, 33 billion in 2023. With, um, with profits, I mean, probably above three billion. And again, these are estimates. Um, and But, you know, what's obviously interesting is the staggering growth, uh, because, uh, I mean, they were just at uh, less than three billion in sales in 2019. I mean, so just give you a sense you know in kind of five years less than five years you know they've they've increased uh, tenfold and they are uh planning to double or expect let's say to double again sales in 2025 so just in two years from now and that implies a 38 percent, you know annual growth to to reach that level from um 2023 um you know estimated levels so obviously um Sorry, from 2022, I wanted to say, but in any case, so the growth is staggering. The company is already very large, and this, I suppose, is what's exciting prospective investors. You know, they they like uh, the appeal of a, a fast growing company that seems to have, you know, ticked a lot of boxes and seems to have outdone some of the other fast fashion players. You know, I'm thinking of Inditex, the owner of Zara. I mean, you mentioned H&M, but, you know, they seem to be doing better on a purely sort of revenue, um, you know, forecast perspective.
2: Well, I was curious as well, Lisa. you wrote a very interesting piece about sustainability. So Anshman was talking about these you know, five dollar products that they're selling—very much fast fashion. Um, so, I mean, what? How does that pose a problem if you're an investor thinking about this company? You also have to think about the sustainability angle of this. And and I did see uh, one of the executives, um, at Sheehan, who was speaking last year at a at a you know the retail congress in Barcelona. And actually, interestingly, he was talking an awful lot about sustainability and that this company was actually a sustainable. Company when it comes to clothing.
1: Okay, so um, uh, this is a very, very key factor, I would say, for investors, you know, and an underreported factor to a certain extent, because I don't think investors in the excitement, okay, we will know whether they're really excited, obviously, when they list, but, you know, in the excitement about, you know, this kind of booming company, there isn't much talk about, you know, the the main risk factor, which in my view is the waste factor. So they produce, like every fast fashion company, a product which is made of plastic because let's face it, you know, polyester, spandex, you know, this is why it's so cheap, you know, are sort of plastic derivatives and, uh, you know, textile is also very, very difficult to recycle and dispose. So, yes, you may be paying five euros for your top, but what you are not seeing is the external cost, you know, the so-called externalities. So, the cost to society, to environment, you know, of producing these products, which really, you know, are incredibly difficult to, to recycle and they normally tend to be dumped, you know, in landfills. I mean, there is one landfill in the desert of Atacama in Chile, which is so large, and it's only clothes, right, which you can spot it from the from the moon, you know, from space. So just to give you a, a sense, you know, of, of the scale of the waste product uh, uh, problem. So to be fair to Shein, they are attempting to be better. Let's say that other fast fashion players, you know, they have a, a kind of a just in time business model, uh, which allows them not to overproduce. I mean, this is an industry that overproduces between 20 and 30 percent of the clothes, you know, they they actually sell. So they, they are much leaner if you want, you know, and they, they really don't uh, have, you know, too much excess production. However, you know, the main problem remains, you know, the product itself is really, really unsustainable, you know, it's not a very sustainable product. So, you know, to make it more green, less polluting, you either have to spend more money to find, you know, better uh, materials, materials that can be recycled more easily, or you have to encourage your consumers to buy less of these, clothes, you know, to kind of reuse, you know, share, uh, which they partly do, by the way. So, so, I mean, I'll obviously let, you know, some of my colleagues speak now, but, you know, this is quite uh, a, a super dilemma if you want, you know. So how do you make yourself more sustainable without either sort of hurting margins or losing clients?
3: Lisa, I do want to ask you one quick follow up on the sustainability issue. How does that relate to their offering? Is that a risk factor? Is that something that investors are viewing as a potential negative as they think about the filing?
1: So I'm not sure investors are assessing the risk factor in the correct way because, you know, at the moment, you know, the general view is that waste is waste, you know, and can be thrown away and there are no extra costs, but the wind is, changing you know that the wind is blowing in a different direction and we are seeing around the world more and more governments you know thinking about introducing or even introducing legislation that will place the burden let's say or some of the burden of dealing with this waste problem on the producers so the kind of polluters paid principle is likely to spread and this will be a a risk factor, and this will be a cost for many companies, and obviously not just textile companies, but it's not something that is sufficiently, in my view, on the investor's radar screen.
2: I think that that is really interesting as well, Lisa, like, you know, you talked about these other brands as well, like Zara, for example, and H&M, and they're going to great lengths to show customers that, as you say, that they are using materials that can be recycled, they have opened up, like, recycling parts of their stores where you can bring back you know, stuff that you're not wearing anymore so that they can try and turn it into, into other products. They have labels very specifically. They're saying this product was made 100% recycled, whatever it was. So I think that that is such an interesting situation for a company that's selling a garment for $5. How do you integrate that into your model?
1: Again, sorry, and I I will let, you know, other speaks very soon. But just to answer this question, so Shein itself is trying to go in the direction of using more recycled material. For instance, recycled polyester. Uh, And they want to, you know, at the moment, or let's say in the last uh, sustainability um, account, that they revealed, you know, um, this recycled material, polyester, let's say, is less than 1% of the total material you know the total textile material they use but you know they want to sort of hike that over time to 30 percent you know which is a good commitment the problem is this is more expensive so uh, you already are a mass market player in fashion with very tiny margins you know this is not a luxury player if you buy something that costs more as your main sort of textile product how are you going to keep those margins
3: Yeah, speaking of risk factors, I mean, there's obviously the environmental side of things, but in some ways, it seems to me that there's also a risk from the China links and the China ties. And Anshuman, I know you've written on this topic as well. Um, When it comes to listing on the New York Stock Exchange, is Shein sort of a risky mover because of those ties to China?
0: Shein has been trying to list in the US market for many years now, and it's faced problems. I mean, going public in the world's biggest stock market, will be a big victory for Sheen. It's trying to, it's trying to be seen as uh, viewed as a global company, and this this will be important for them. But concerns over ESG, its China origins, its massive data trove, they don't necessarily lend themselves to easy approval by U.S. regulators and lawmakers. At the same time, uh, Sheen has a very large supply chain in China. So Sheen has sought approval from from the Chinese stock market regulator before it lists in the US. And that's a big challenge. It is taking much more time than market uh, analysts had expected. And we have seen before that China has timed the efforts of ride-sharing apps like Didi when it tried to list in the US. So the made-in-China label isn't something that Sheen can easily get rid of. Plus, at the same time, increased scrutiny by US lawmakers and the regulators mean that it's going to be a pretty long, uh, long innings for Shein before it can get a listing in the US.
3: Especially given how the IPO market is looking these days, that's really interesting. I mean, we haven't seen any major movement. Everybody's been waiting for the next big IPO. So I'll certainly be watching to see whether Shein is the next one and how, how that goes. Well, listen,
2: thank you so much, Lisa and Shuman and Anita. That was uh, a very illuminating conversation about Sheehan and plenty more, obviously, to write. So, uh, yes, we look forward to seeing it from you all. Thank you both. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you like to listen catch up with our latest views and much more on breakingviews.com and on X, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine.
3: Extraordinary how these people
2: adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics.
1: When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring
2: you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts.